0: Starting at verse thirty six and as they thus spake Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them peace be unto you but they were terrified and affrighted and supported supposed that they had seen a spirit. He said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. When he had thus spoken, he shewed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wonder, he said unto them, Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, not African style, and of a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Lord, help us tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your blessings. Anoint our ears tonight, God, that we can hear what you're trying to say to us. Then anoint our heart, God, that we will accept it and respond to it. I need your grace. I need your anointing. And I'll give you praise tonight in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. You can be seated. I want to talk to you tonight from a subject when Revelation comes. When revelation comes, when we when we think of revelation, most of the time it's uh, concerning the doctrine, and somebody gets a revelation of the oneness of God, and that's that's great. But I, I I'm convinced because of the times that we're living in. Now, let me let me set the record straight. You're good people. You're faithful people. You're solid in the message. But uh, we are all in the same boat in that we have never seen revival. Therefore, we cannot comprehend it. Now, I could preach about it tonight, and you'll get excited and possibly shout and run the aisles, but when service is over, it still hasn't come through clear, and I'm praying tonight that I can help our eyes to be opened. Now, the disciples had been with Jesus three and a half plus years. He told them from the very beginning he was going to be crucified. They followed him to the cross, but it still had not penetrated their minds. Now, when we as a church receive revelation, then we can see things clearly that we was never able to see before. Desiring it, but I've never seen it, so I can't comprehend it. Jesus enabled these to fully comprehend the meaning of the prophecies which foretold his death and his resurrection. They had seen him die, and now he's standing before them saying, Look at my hands. Feel my side. They had seen him from both sides. They no longer doubted that he was Messiah. And all the facts in the case which had been before confounded, them now was easy to see. They had experienced it. But they still was having problems comprehending what really had happened. We know what we see. But how did that happen? Thank God for the day that revelation come to the disciples. And Peter was able to stand on the day of Pentecost and preach to those people that revelation came to them. And when it did, they said, men and brethren, what must we do? Tell us. What to do? Oh, God, in this end time, my desire, something pushes me. I want to see revelation come to our churches. Because I know what's going to happen when revelation comes. I know what's going to take place. Because when that happens, we're able to learn that facts or the further disclosure of truth will yet remove the mysteries that we now see in religion, we now see in the church, that our prejudices and our preconceived concerns are calls for us seeing so many miracles or so many mysteries in the Bible. Why, Lord? What if? What for? I don't understand a lot of things that I read in the Bible. Number one, I don't understand the custom in which it was written in. But even when I've done research and I, I can understand what that means, that portion of it means, there's so much more that I can't comprehend. That's why I need a pastor. That's why that I need to be in church every service. Because God is going to shed just a little bit of revelation in our hearts. And if you miss it, you're going to be in the dark. He will never bless you any further than you are willing to obey. Number one, there's got to be, and it's already been said tonight, a desire, a desire for more of God. If you become a career Pentecostal, we can learn how to clap our hands. We can learn how to say amen at the right time. We can go home and brag about having good church. But oh, when revelation comes, you're not going to be satisfied with just that type of a service. You're not going to be satisfied unless the Holy Ghost falls and manifests itself in a way as Pastor Riggin already Referred to a deep anointing. The anointing that your man of God feels when he's preaching. If you'll plug into what he's saying, you feel that same anointing. And that's when revelation comes. Your eyes pop open. I never saw it like that before. It's God only that can open the minds so as fully to comprehend the scriptures. That's why the world can read it and say it contradicts itself. It don't make sense. It just, just rambles around because The mind is not spiritual. We can be apostolic by title. But it's only God that can bring revelation. And I'll say again, when revelation comes, this church will be turned inside out. Because you'll never be satisfied again. To just have a normal service. Because there won't be just a normal service. I've been in the church long enough to know and to see just a little bit. In the late 50s and early 60s. We were just on the uh, backside of a revival. I've seen people come. In the door, weeping, big men sitting on the pew jump and run to an altar and literally dive under the altar, cleaning out his pockets of his cigarettes and and crying out to God. I witnessed one time as just a teenager, I got the Holy Ghost when I was 14, and I was at a fellowship meeting. And we did not have the truth that we have today because we were still hanging on to a lot of the Trinitarian doctrines even though uh, we were baptizing in Jesus' name. So there was a lot of we call now freewheeling, uh, little country churches that had spirits that grew whiskers. But I sit one day and watched a lady come in the door and sit on the back pew over on this side, a little narrow building. And the preacher was preaching under such anointing. And he wasn't even talking about dress or how you looked. And she was painted up like Jezebel. And that woman started crying weeping, and the makeup that she didn't wash off of her face with her tears. She literally chewed off of her lips while the preacher was preaching. I want to see it again. It bothers me when I preach and a sinner says to me after, after the service, that was a good talk. I've seen him get up and run out the door. I watched my uncle, six foot, to me he looked nine foot, but he was just six foot, three or four, big barrel chested man, stood in church one night and conviction fell on him and he grabbed the back of that pew and squeezed it till his knuckles turned white and rejected God. God. Shortly thereafter, he made the statement, if I ever feel that again, they don't make the log chains that will keep me out of church. But unfortunately, he died a Mormon. I'm telling you, when revelation comes, we're going to see things that we can't even comprehend right now. We're going to see God do a work that we can't even think about. You can't wrap your mind around it because you've never seen it. But when he brings revelation, oh, praise the Lord. The design of God opening our understanding is that we may have a deeper revelation of the scripture and a deeper Revelation and relationship with him. He's not going to give us any more revelation until we move up in our relationship. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm feeling something right now. I'm feeling something right now. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if somebody... Don't come out of that pew before this service is over. Screaming and yelling, I see it. I see it. I understand it now. I believe that God. I wouldn't take the chance on asking you to raise your hands if you really believe that God could fill this church up in three months' time. Oh, we get excited about Africa. We get excited about what he's doing there. But I'm here to tell you how this good man can, can baptize 35 in one service in Olathe, Kansas. When revelation comes to the church. Now, he's already got the revelation. He's already... Carrying the burden, but he needs somebody to step up beside him and say, I'm going to be one of the ones that holds your hands high. Oh, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. It's not that we be made wise above what's written in the scripture already. You will never get a revelation that will contradict God's word. But He understands and He desires that we need a revelation that we might wholly submit ourselves to the word of God and His plan and His will for us. Each Saint of God has a responsibility. And I told the church that I pastored, it yet remains to be seen whether anybody will be saved that has not reproduced themselves. Until that revelation comes you're scared, you're fearful that you talk, start talking to your friend and they reject you. But when revelation comes that I'm talking about, it's not going to matter whether they reject you or not. My wife made bread and sold in uh, Carlsbad and there was a lady in our church that Uh, she bordered on being able to sell ice to an Eskimo. She just had a knack. And at that time, my wife was petrified of somebody saying no. And Sister Trina said to her one day, Sister Taunton, it only takes seven, wasn't it, seven no's? I believe it was seven no's to get a sale. So when somebody says no, I said, I just got six more. She could sell more single-handedly than the entire church put together. We made tamales, and she said, my goal is to sell 200 dozen. We said, we can't make that many. Later we did, but uh, she wanted to sell that many by herself because she had a revelation. She knew she could do it. I rebuke that spirit of doubt right now. Some of you still hadn't plugged in with me. Hallelujah. When he fills you with the Holy Ghost... He had in mind, I'm not talking about some supernatural office or position, but God had in mind for his saints to be established in truth and be able to believe him for anything. Oh, hallelujah. That person that you work with that's on drugs is seeking for what you've got. They just don't realize it. They're looking for peace and happiness, and they don't know how to find it. And somebody comes along and says, hey, man, try this. This is better than, and he tries it. He's he, because he's hungry for peace. He's hungry for joy. But it's like I told you the other night, you may not can teach a Bible study, but you can sit down one-on-one and say, let me tell you what the Lord done for me. They can't argue with that. Let me show you what the Lord done for me. Let me take you to a church where our pastor that loves your soul, is going to preach to you truth. And when he does, if you'll respond to it, I can guarantee you that you can find the peace that I've got. And that's why it's so critically important, church, when visitors come, instead of being intimidated because they're here, you are to go wild in worship. They come to an apostolic church expecting that, and when they don't get it, they go away disappointed. The preacher can't preach the message and create the atmosphere for an altar call by himself. But, oh, when your man of God steps in this pulpit Everyone in this building or to slip up on the front of your pew and start silently praying as well as worshiping and get plugged into what he's talking about. Get the same anointing that he's feeling and let the sinner, let a hunger come over their spirit. Well, I've heard people say, uh... The conviction is just not in the church like it used to be. And it's not. But can I tell you why? Without being offensive? Because the church won't create it. Church, it's your responsibility to create the environment that is conducive to a sinner coming to an altar. It's a revelation that I may not be able to sing in the choir. I may never have a leadership position, but there's not a person in this building that won't get this revelation I'm talking about that can't be a spiritual giant. Oh praise God. I said a spiritual giant, not just a weak anemic uh, one, but a spiritual giant. When this happens, we then can talk about our altars being free. I'm just trying to be open. I'm trying to, I'm trying to stir up your pure mind. But how many times does a sinner come to an altar that is really hungry and they're desperate for something but uh, they, they wind up getting up and walking out? Oh, but somewhere. If I pastor a church again, I would rather have an altar worker, and a bunch of young preachers sitting on the pew. Oh, 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 when you can walk up beside somebody and get their name and whisper in their ear, John, Sally, you're coming to God now. You're feeling God's presence That strange feeling that you're feeling is the presence of the Lord. And maybe that man is weeping. Don't feel feel bad about the tears. See, men don't like to cry in public. But you can assure them that's perfectly normal. When you stand in God's presence, you feel like you're unworthy to be there. And tears will flow. Don't worry about it. Just just tell God you're sorry. And then be spiritual enough. When you see they've repented, they don't have to spend a week repenting. When you feel in the Holy Ghost that they've repented, say, okay, John, God has just forgiven you of your sins. Why don't you just lift your hands and start thanking him for the Holy Ghost? worrying about tongues or what it's going to sound like or what it's going to be like, and you're going to feel like doing something. You're going to feel like responding in some manner. Whatever it is, if it's jumping, if it's running, whatever it is, you respond to that, and watch what God, I'm telling you, it won't be very long until John will be speaking in other tongues. We can claim our altars free. Our altars have got to be free before the revival can come. And that's because that that's why we've got to get a revelation that I personally can be one of the ones that sets our altars free. I'm going to commit, Pastor, to you that I'm going to be a changed individual because now I've never known a person to go to the foreign field. Brother Stewart, one of our young preachers, just went to the Philippines, him and his wife, and to Taiwan. And just before he left, I looked at him sincere, loves God. I said, Brother Stewart, let me tell you something. He said, what's that? I said, when you come back, you're never going to be the same again. We built a building in Mexico. when When I pastored, and we went down there to dedicate it. The The roof was not even on it. They had put an old tarp over the roof in case it rained. And it didn't rain, it flooded. At 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock that evening before church, they took uh, just the old light bulb sockets, the cheap ones, uh, And it was six or eight. One, two, three, four, five, six. And they strung a wire about like, uh, I don't see one, you know, that would go to a heater or a portable fan. (laughs) One of them little bitty fellas. They run that down the center and sprung off of each side for a light. Get ready. They went out on the street, and they stripped that wire back about that far and put a kink in it and threw it up over the power lines. That's how they got power. No breaker, no nothing. It started raining, and we were standing in water. I said, Brother Sons, please cancel. No, 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 we're not canceling this. The building was packed. And he told me, he said, you preach about 20 minutes, preach on a kindergarten level, and uh, just say a, a sentence or two, and then stop and have it interpreted while i was preaching the lightning was flashing and the thunder was rolling and i'm an american the preachers that was sitting on the front row that went on on the tour i i was i was so scared paying a t- i never preached with an interpreter and i didn't want to lose my thought so i was i was uh, I was just paying attention with my finger on my notes and I, I I'd forget sometimes to stop in a in a sentence but I was paying attention to what I was doing but you you've heard lightning go down a power line goes that thunder would roll and you would hear that noise I wasn't about to look up but the uh They said when that happened, that those wires, that insulation would get big and then burst and drip down on that wet floor. So now there's naked wires. If that would have fell, they would have just had to dig a mass grave. But I got through preaching on a kindergarten level And I just, when I finished, I just said, if anybody wants the Holy Ghost, come to the front. And it looked like half the church come to the front. They started praying. What was it, about 20 minutes? 20, 25 minutes? How many? 11 people got the Holy Ghost. So simple, so down to earth, yet in the apostolic church, a preacher has got to learn the Greek and the Hebrew and use it to impress you when all in the world is needed is Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to make you happy. Jesus wants to turn your life around. Uh, When we get to that place, I'm saying again, we can see our altars free. When we see our altars free, then we'll be able to see our city not as hard, but people hungry for the gospel and ready to hear what we've got to say, and they're not arguing because they've already tried the world. They've already tried religion. And it hadn't worked, and it's like giving somebody a new drug. There's, here's a new message, and all of a sudden, they start feeling God. But how you see your experience, for the most part, is how it is. I can't do it. You're right. I can do it and I'm going to do it. You're right. How you pray is generally the answers you're gonna get. Oh. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost strong. Second Peter chapter three and verse nine, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men uh, count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm sure you heard the story of the bank building that Pastor bought for two dollars—that's a—that's a miracle. And almost five acres, three quarters to a, hundred and a uh, one and a quarter million dollar building. We bought it for two dollars from the banker that we do church uh, do banking with. And on the night that it was dedicated. Of course, they were invited as special guests, the banker and his wife. They've never been in a Pentecostal church. I mean, they're in society. Peer pressure. That woman, his wife, she was resistant. That banker sat there and cried like a baby. And then to cap it off, one of the little Spanish ladies in broken English come up to him after it was over and shook his hand and said, thank you. Thank you, sir, for making it possible that we could have a church. He broke down and he told Pastor, he said, just think if I hadn't have done this. Brother Roach is running over a hundred. He does his service Sunday morning, so he can be at our service at two o'clock. And he sits on the platform with us and I hear about two months ago, he come bouncing up on the platform, and he said, Elder, we had 40-something, I forget what it was, 47 visitors today, first-time visitors. And I rejoiced with him the next Sunday, Elder, we had 31 visitors. Uh, These numbers, you know, may not, my memory may not be serving, but it was in the 30s. And I said, Brother Rocha, please start keeping a record of this. I'd like to be able to have that information to encourage somebody else. What in the world are y'all doing? He said, we're not doing anything different, Elder, but our people just caught the picture. Hallelujah. God don't see things like we see them. God don't see them like we see them. Second Kings 6 and 17, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Here's a young man that's scared stiff. Because he sees an enemy out there that's got them surrounded. And he run to the man of God and said, what are we going to do? And old, the old prophet just said, God, open his eyes that he can see. Bring revelation to him. And he saw, and behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots. And fire round about Elisha. I'm telling you, God can calm your fears if you'll just come on board. Go to the next dimension. I said, go to the next dimension the excitement and the enthusiasm that will come. Oh, hallelujah. I've I've referenced to it several times, but Brother Riggin, since you were there, we've gone to another level. I can't tell you how it happened. We just... It's not uncommon on a Wednesday night service, as well as the Sunday, but especially on the Wednesday night service, the song leader doesn't even sing the first song. The power of God falls. The church nearly empties up around the altar. Anybody that needs touched, uh, maybe 30, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, that goes on around the altar. You say, well, we've had enough church. We'll, uh, we won't have to listen to preaching tonight. But Pastor Howard said, you can't be established on shouting. Go sit down. We're going to have preaching. And then there's Preaching. And at the end of the service, they come back around the altar again. And it's the same thing over. I'm seeing the same thing in Green Forest, Arkansas, Brother Aits. Just take the service over because the excitement is so strong. Oh, I'm telling you, church, God wants to do something here tonight. I said, God wants to do something here tonight for somebody. If you haven't got plugged in yet, please let this old man beg you don't take God for granted. Get thankful for what he's done for you up until this point. Brother Riggin might do it different, but I'd like to see those that come around the altar tonight not kneel and bury your head, but come down the aisle with your hands in the air. And when you get around the altar, start rejoicing. You don't have to beg God for anything. Just get excited about what He's doing. Don't let nobody have to beg you to come around the altar because I want to be a part. And when revelation comes, something's going to come over me that I'm compelled. Can we stand to our feet, lift our hands, and give God praise? I'm through. It's your turn. Oh, hallelujah. God wants to do something here tonight that heretofore has never happened when revelation comes. Oh, praise the Lord. Get happy before you even get here. Stop rejoicing before you ever get around the front that God would count me worthy. How to be used in his kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah.